Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Blackhawk Church. Welcome to everyone in the room with me, to those of you who are watching online, everyone in Blackhawk Gospel Fusion, Blackhawk Downtown, Blackhawk Fitchburg, and Traditions. It is so great to be with you today. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Lynn, and I work with our college-age ministry and the 20s and 30s ministry. And I am so excited to be back up here today. In fact, it has been a while since I was last up here. I had to look it up, but the last time I was up here was August of last year, and I was 32 weeks pregnant. So a lot of life has happened between then and now. Literally, a lot of life has happened. Um, I brought a photo with me today so you could check it out. Here's uh, my family. Um, This is my husband, AJ, and our son, Clayton. We call him Clay. He's now eight months. And um, we just took this last week at Blackhawk Downtown. Hey, Downtown, we love you. Wish we could be with you today. But like I said, I'm so excited to be here. I'd love to begin our time with a question. And my question is this. Do you have any sayings or expressions that you find yourself saying a lot? Right? I think we all have things that we say. It becomes a part of our language. Something that I say a lot, I say 100%. Like, do I want a mocha right now? 100%. Do I want to go on a hike? 100%. Do I want to cry that This Is Us just came to an end? 100%. I'm bummed. I did cry, you guys. 100%. And on the flip side, if I really don't want to do something, I'll say 0%. Like, I'm standing on this stage speaking right now. But if you ask me if I want to sing on this stage, (laughs) yeah, that's a 0%. Not happening. It'll be the last time I'm ever on this stage if I do that. That's a 0%. It's a little bit dramatic, but it's just something that I like to say. It's an expression that I've picked up. Growing up, there is something that my dad used to always say to me. Whenever I'd ask him a question, instead of giving me like a simple yes or a simple no, he'd go with a third option and he'd say, we'll see. We'll see. I'd say, hey dad, can we go to Dairy Queen after the game? And he'd say, we'll see. I'd say, hey dad, are we going to the Jersey Shore this summer? Like, are we going to the Jersey Shore? He'd say, we'll see. I'd say, dad, dad, can we get a dog? He'd say, we'll see. You get the idea. My dad didn't usually give me a yes. He'd instead say, we'll see. And honestly, growing up, this used to drive me nuts. Dad, I know you're probably watching online right now. There you go. Any students in the room right now, you know what I'm talking about. You can go ahead and just elbow your parents if they're sitting next to you. It is clear. When you cannot get a clear answer, it is frustrating. It's like, give me a yes, give me a no, really give me a yes. But it's tough when we can't get a clear answer. As I've gotten older, I can see that really my dad was probably walking in wisdom. He didn't want to promise me something that he couldn't follow through on. My dad knew if he said yes, I was going to hold him to it, 100%. It's who I am. Or worse, he might not be able to follow through, and then I'd be left disappointed. Now, my dad wasn't perfect. But he was careful when giving out a yes. He didn't want to make a promise that he couldn't keep. Now that I'm older, I really, really appreciate that. As a church, we've been going through a series in the book of Micah. And each week, we've been talking about God and his covenant with his people, his promise. 
And what we've seen is that God is serious about the way that we ought to live as his followers. We've seen that God wants us to be people who are wise in who it is that we choose to follow. We've seen that he wants us to be wise about who and what we allow to influence us. We've seen that he wants us to be people who don't just talk about justice, but that we actually do justice in our communities. And last week, we heard a powerful message from Pastor Charles about how God wants us to be people who are actually making peace in our world. And what we've seen through all of this is that the people are not really that great at keeping up their end of the deal. They're just not. But God is. He's a promise-keeping God. You see, a lot of the time, my dad couldn't give me a yes because he didn't know exactly how things were going to play out. A lot of the time, the very best he could do was to say, we'll see. But it's not like this with God. We don't have a we'll see kind of a God. In fact, we have a God who has already said yes. A long time ago, he made promises to us. And unlike my dad, he is guaranteed to follow through on them because he's the ultimate promise keeper. He is a covenant-keeping God, which means what he says he will do, he will do 100% of the time, 100%. So maybe you're thinking, that's so great. I'm so glad God keeps his promises. But now let me ask you, do you know what God has actually promised? Honestly, I think for some of us, we can get mixed up sometimes about what God has promised. I know I can get mixed up. If I'm not careful, I can start hoping or counting on God to do something in my life that he never actually promised he would do. He never said he would do it. I can think back years ago, many years ago, an important relationship in my life came to a devastating end. It was abrupt. It was one of the lowest points in my life. And I remember thinking, if I just do all the right things, if I just have enough faith, if I just believe, like surely God will bring this person back into my life, right? I mean, he'll make it right again. He promises to do that, right? Well, no, actually. God never promised that. In fact, it says just the opposite. So let me ask you, what about you? What are some of the things that you've been hoping in God for? I think there's a reality that we all have things that we hope God will do, right? God, help me with my relationships. Help me with my work. Help me with my health, my finances, the situation I'm up against. We all have things that we long for God to do in our lives, and that's a good thing. God cares for you, and he wants you to be so honest with him about the things that you long for. But with that, we need to realize God never actually promised or guaranteed any of these things. So what did God promise then, right? Like, okay. Well, let's start by looking at a few things that God has not promised. Here are a few things that God has not promised. He has not promised healing from every illness. It's not in the Bible. He has not promised protection from suffering. That's just not in the Bible. He has not promised material prosperity. These things are just examples. Sometimes God does these things, praise God when he does, but they are not guaranteed. They are not promised by God in scripture. So let's look at some of the things that God does promise in the Bible. We see that he promises to always be with us. He promises his Holy Spirit to be transforming us, to be continually moving us toward who God created us to be. He promises to forgive our sins 
to partner with us to fulfill the mission. Jesus promises ultimately to come back and he promises to restore the earth. With that, he promises us resurrection and eternal life. The Bible is full of God's promises. These are things that ultimately he has guaranteed he will do. And one day he's going to establish an eternal kingdom and he says that you and I, we get to be a part of it. He doesn't say, well, we'll see, or this is my intention, or this is maybe where things are headed. No, he says, I will, 100%. He's a promise-keeping God. What he says he will do, he will do 100% of the time. So what does all of this have to do with the book of Micah? (laughs) Well, each week, as we've been going through Micah, we've seen Micah talking about judgment and hope and judgment and hope as God's people have failed to keep the covenant. They have failed to live up to their promise to God. They've simply stopped caring in so many ways about what God cares about. And so today, as we finish our series, we're about to read the last chapter in the book. We're about to read Micah chapter 7. Now, it's important to know that what we're about to read is poetry, okay? So when Micah is speaking, when he says I or us, he's not speaking about himself. He's talking on behalf of the nation of Israel, and he's talking to God. So with that, um, open up your Bibles, if you have it with you, to Micah chapter 7, beginning in verse 8. He says, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath. Until he pleads my case and upholds my cause, he will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see it and will be covered with shame. He who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her downfall. Even now, she will be trampled underfoot like mire in the streets." Let me ask you, have you ever completely blown it in some way? I mean, completely blown it. I'm not talking about the small ways that we miss it, that we kind of mess up here and there. I'm talking about a time where you totally missed it, blew it entirely. Maybe you're in a life group. Or maybe you have a couple of friends who you're walking with closely in life, and maybe you talk about the things that are difficult. You share about the areas in your life of struggle where you're really working through things. Yeah, I'm talking about the thing that you don't share with your life group. I'm talking about the thing that you hold back. It's like, oh, I'll share about a lot of the things I struggle with. I'll tell you, oh, here's some of the things I'm working on. Here's where I've kind of blown it recently. I'm talking about the thing that you just plain hold back because we're afraid of what people might think if they really knew how messed up we can be at times. You know, maybe for some of us today, it's that we struggle with anger. (laughs) Maybe for somebody today, it's that we just fly off the handle sometimes at people in our world. Maybe for some people today, it's that we've simply gone backwards. Like we've gone back to something, an old way, an old habit, something that we swore we were done with. But it's like, we're just, we're back in it. It's like, oh, how did I get here? Maybe for some, it's that we've gone back to an old relationship, one that we know is not good for us, but it's like, we're back. For some today, it may be that we've blown it before in a really massive way even, but we've never shared it with anybody. It's sort of just like 
It's like a secret that we just carry around with us, just hoping nobody ever finds out, hoping we can just keep it to ourselves. You know, it's, it's exhausting. It's kind of like we're sitting in darkness when this happens. That's what Mike is talking about. It's this feeling of how did I get here? I'm in the dark. I don't know how to get out of this mess. What's the matter with me? It's like we've fallen. In my own life, when I think about the times where I've blown it, I just want to run and hide. It's like I want to cringe just thinking about things that I've done, things that I've said, things that I've thought, things that I've felt. It's like, oh, what's the matter with me? It's like I don't really want to share this with anybody. I'm ashamed. I'm talking about the kind of thing that can keep you up at night, and you're just replaying it over and over again in your head, thinking, how did I get myself into this place again? You see, sitting in darkness has this way of making us feel totally alone. <laughs> like, no one can understand us, no one could relate with us. Full of guilt, full of regret, sitting in darkness, that's what's going on here. Micah is saying, look, Israel has blown it. Israel has fallen. But then he goes on in verse nine. He says, because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath. Until he pleads my case and upholds my cause, he will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. This is crazy. Look, Micah is not defending Israel here at all. He knows that they've sinned. He's saying, look, we're guilty, but look who represents us. He's saying, look at your counsel. Look who's seated next to you in court. This is absolutely wild. I think for many of us, when we think about God, we think about him as like the judge up there or like the prosecution over here, right? We think he's looking down at us. We think he's coming at us, pointing his finger, just showing us how wrong we are, showing us where our sin is. But that's just, that's just not what's happening here. What we see is a completely different picture of God. What we see is, look, we are in court, and we are guilty, 100%. We have sinned. But guess what? The God of the universe is seated at our table. He's our representation. It says he is going to plead your case, he is going to uphold your cause, and then he is going to bring you out into the light. Micah is saying, look, we are 100% guilty, but we have God as our defender. And we already know he's gonna win our case because he's God. You see, Micah knows that sitting in darkness isn't the end of the story for Israel. He knows God will bring them into the light because he promised it. He's a promise-keeping God. And so today, if you're sitting in darkness, if you're sitting in a place of knowing that you've blown it in some way, your story doesn't have to end there either. We can be confident today that God will forgive us again, just like Micah was, because God is an unchanging God, and he's seated at our table. He's our defense. Honestly, I think for some of us today, we hear this and go, yeah, I believe that. I believe God is loving and forgiving. Some of us, some of us just accept this more easily. We've grown up hearing it. For a variety of reasons, we accept it. But for others today, this is like a sticking point. What do you mean God is always loving or always forgiving? 
For some of us today, this is just plain hard to believe. How could that be true? We don't see that in our world. We don't experience that. How could God be always forgiving? It's just not believable. (laughs) Yet when we look at this text, what we see is that God is always forgiving. He is completely different than anyone you've ever known. You know, sometimes people get tired of forgiveness. Sometimes they give up on you. Maybe someone in your life has given up on you. Or maybe you've given up on somebody. God's love is different. His forgiveness won't ever run out on you. It doesn't matter how badly you've blown it. It doesn't matter how many times we know God will forgive us again for one simple reason. He always forgives. It's who he is. It's in his nature. It's his wiring. He is a forgiving God. You know, I think it's possible today that maybe some of us need to rethink the way we think about God. Where is he seated in your courtroom? Do you realize that he is your defense? Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Even when we are guilty and we have screwed up and we have found ourselves in the dark again, he is a forgiving God. And we can be confident of this. That's why Micah says, Though I have fallen, I will rise. He's saying, look, Israel has blown it, but we know Israel will rise because we have a promise-keeping God. This can bring us great hope for today. Now, I know that uh, some of us here, maybe you're visiting today, maybe you're back in church for the first time in a while. I know that some of us hear a message like this about hope, and it just kind of sounds like church talk. It's like, okay, there's hope in God. That sounds good, but for some of us, we've just never experienced that. We hear that and go, okay, but like, what does that really mean? What would that even look like to really experience hope in God? Well, what we see is that there is hope in God and there's a very real way to tap into it. If you're here today and you're feeling hopeless, I want you to hear me say, I'm so glad that you're here, and I hope that you find that Blackhawk Church is a place where you can be honest about where you're at with these hard topics like hope. I don't know what you're up against, I don't know where you're at, what you're dealing with, but I do know what it's like to be desperate for real hope. And what we see in the Bible and what we're about to read in Micah chapter seven is that the way to renewing our hope is by remembering what God has done in the past. It's by remembering his faithfulness. Look what Micah says in verse 14. He says, shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, which lives by itself in a forest, in fertile pasture lands. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days long ago. As in the days when you came out of Egypt, I will show them my wonders. Let me ask you, Can you think of a time in your life that you just wish you could go back to? A time in your life where like, yep, 100%, I'd go back to that time. It was a good time in life. Maybe it was time spent at the ocean. Or maybe it was a time when your whole family lived under one roof. Maybe it was the first time you saw the Grand Canyon or it was a day of celebration. Maybe somebody was born, a graduation, something like that. I think for most of us, we probably have a photo of a favorite time in life. Maybe you have it set as like the background on your phone, or maybe you have it framed somewhere. You know, we, we do this because we just want to be reminded of it. It's a time in life that we love to look back on. 
I'm talking about a photo where we'd go back in a heartbeat if we could, 100%. Well, as I shared not too long ago, I had a pretty big life change when I had a baby. Um, here's a picture of Clay and I. This picture, you guys, I love this picture so much. This was taken just one week after Clay was born. We're sitting in the rocker, um, which is in his room, and we have spent countless hours in this rocker, you guys. Middle of the night, you get it all the time. We have spent so many hours in this chair. And sometimes when I'm sitting there just holding him, I think to myself, this is like my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> like, I absolutely love this. I fully expect one day in the future, I'm gonna look back at these days right now, and I'm gonna long for them. Like, I'm gonna look at this photo and I am gonna go, I wish I could go back. Can you think of a time in your life you wish you could go back to? I'm betting for all of us, there's a time where we go, yeah, I'd go back to that time. That's what's happening here in the passage. Micah is remembering a time. He's remembering when they were first given the land. He says, shepherd your people as you did in the days long ago. He's saying, look, I wanna go back to those days when it was good. It was a time of fruitfulness. It was a time when we had everything we needed. He's like, I wanna go back to those days. He does it again in verse 15. He's remembering when God rescued them in Egypt. He's saying, Lord, you showed us your wonders. Would you do that again? Take me back to those good days. You see, while Micah's in the dark, he's remembering God's faithfulness in the past. And as he does that, it's actually building his hope. You know what's crazy is that Micah wasn't even alive for these events. These took place hundreds of years before Micah was even living. He's not remembering from personal experience, but he knows the story of God's faithfulness. And by retelling the story, it's actually building his hope. This is how it works. As we remember God's faithfulness in the past, it can renew our hope for today. Micah goes on um, in verses 16 and 17 um, to talk about a day. He talks about a day coming when God will intervene for his people. It says, it says it's gonna be a day when all the nations will know how great and powerful God is, and it's a day that Israel will be victorious because God is on their side. It won't matter how many times they've blown it. It won't matter how many times they found themselves in the dark. They know that victory will one day come because God's a promise-keeping God, and he said so. Years ago, I had a job here in Madison when I had just gotten out of college. And it was a job that I really enjoyed. Um, I met a lot of friends on the job, and I really liked my supervisor. That was actually one of the things that made my job so enjoyable. Well, I'll never forget one day while on the job, I was in the office space, and I stumbled across something that I definitely was not supposed to see. And honestly, I wish that I hadn't. Right there out in the open, I found a notepad, and it caught my eye because I saw my name at the top of it, and it was written in my supervisor's handwriting. And it said, Lynn. And right beneath it, there was like a bullet list of a bunch of things that I had missed or screwed up over a long period of time during my time on the job. My heart dropped when I saw this. I could see that there weren't just notes about me, but actually there were notes about all of us on the team. I was devastated. I was like, wait a minute, I was confused. 
I'm thinking, I thought that we had like a good relationship. Like I, we were just laughing, we talk every day, but like all this time you've been like keeping notes about how I've screwed up. I mean, seeing this list, it changed my relationship with my supervisor. I didn't think I could trust him anymore. For the rest of my time in that job, I just tried to keep my head down, do my job, stay in my lane, and not screw up. You know, I share this story with you today because I think sometimes we can view God this way. Like, I think sometimes we can get this idea that God has like some giant notepad right in arm's reach with our name at the top and a list of everything we've ever done wrong, just ready to pull the list out whenever he needs it. It's like, oh, she screwed up again. Well, let me add that to the list. Like, I'm just going to keep adding. Oh, man, still struggling with that since what, like 2000? It's like, seriously, how frightening would that be? A God who says, stay in your lane. Whatever you do, don't screw up. Look how Micah goes on to describe God. In verse 18, he says, Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in the days long ago. He says, who is a God like you? He's saying, there's nobody like you. Look, God is serious about sin. It breaks his heart when we don't follow him. We've seen that all throughout this series. But it says he won't stay angry forever. He'll actually delight to show mercy. Micah is saying, look, we have a God who will show compassion and he is gonna throw our sins into the depth of the sea. Are you kidding me? This is the opposite of my former supervisor. Not only does God not keep a written record of our wrongs, but it says he literally throws it into the sea. That means it's gone for good, forever, never again to be found. There's no list hanging over our heads. There's no condemnation. They have disappeared. I think for many of us, myself included, I think we can have a problem of wanting to go back to our sin. It's like we want to keep pulling it back up. It's like, wait a minute, we keep going back to the shame, revisiting, remembering what we did. We, we don't want to forgive ourselves for it. It's like we don't get it that we are actually forgiven. It's as though we don't get it that they are completely gone. They have disappeared. Imagine if you were on a boat. <laughs> And if you, you drop something into the ocean, do you ever think you could find it? I mean, seriously, everybody on the boat would say, oh, I'm really sorry that happened. Like, what a bummer. Oh, man. I hope that wasn't important. But yeah, there's like a 0% chance you're going to find that. Yeah, that's in the ocean now. That's gone forever. That's what God has done with our sins. They are gone forever. My former supervisor, he kept a list of my sins, the things I'd screwed up with, like right on the table. Maybe you have someone in your life who reminds you of the ways that you've blown it, and it's just like right there on the table. But God, he has dropped our sins to the bottom of the sea. There's no getting them back. There's no bringing them back. You couldn't if you tried. You see, Micah knows what kind of God we have. 
He says, who is a God like you? There is no one like you. We have a God who is faithful, who will remain faithful, even when we're faithless, even when we're guilty, even when we sin. He is there. He will never throw the towel in on us. No, he's going to throw our sins into the sea. (laughs) You know what's crazy is that when Micah wrote these words, no one could have fully understood what he was talking about. You know, they knew that God had a plan. They knew the story of God's faithfulness over time. They knew he's a promise-keeping God. But they had no clue how God was going to come through for them. Look what it says in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. You might be familiar with this verse. We talk about it at Christmas time. He says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. It says, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Do you know who he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus. This is wild. (laughs) Micah wrote these words about Jesus 700 some years before Jesus was even born. They had no idea what he was talking about. They couldn't understand what was coming. But today... In 2022, we get to see the big picture. We know what they did not. We now know that this verse was a prophecy, that God was gonna bring about a king out of the line of David, one who would become ruler over all of Israel. We know this is a prophecy that Jesus would become the ultimate shepherd, one who would lead them, provide for them, and ultimately bring about God's worldwide kingdom on earth. You see, instead of punishing us for our sins, God punished his own son instead. That's how much God loved Israel, and that's how much God loves us. God is serious about sin. He is a God of justice. It breaks his heart when we don't follow him, but he is also a God of compassion, unbelievable compassion. And that's why God can throw our sins into the sea, because Jesus paid the penalty that was meant to be ours. And when Micah wrote this, no one could have fully understood what was coming. They knew God had a plan. They knew he's a promise-keeping God. They knew he'd make a way, but they did not know how. Today, we get to see the plan. We now know this was the plan all along. The plan has always been Jesus. Look, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you may be going through, but today, if you are sitting in darkness, if you are sitting in a place of feeling the shame and the weight of the ways you've blown it. God is right there with you, and he is inviting you to put your hope in him. Where is God seated in your courtroom? Have you come to a point of believing Jesus is who he says he is? Because when you place your faith in him, he becomes your defense 100%. He'll plead your case, he'll uphold your, your cause, and he will bring you into the light. He's a faithful God. We can count on him 100%. And for all of us today, the way to renewing our hope is by remembering God's faithfulness in the past. What's so cool about this is we can actually help one another out with this. When I'm in the dark, when I'm not sure where God is or what he's up to, when I can't see what's going on, I can't see clearly, I can be encouraged by stories of what God is doing in someone else's life. And when you're in the dark, when you're not sure where God is or what to look to, 
you can be encouraged by how God is working in another person's life. Or we can just look to the Bible and see story after story of his faithfulness. This is how it works as we remember what God has done in the past. Our hope can be renewed today. We can tap into a living hope. Have you ever sensed that God was with you? Have you ever sensed that God was working in your life? Remember it. Remind yourself of it. Write it down. Share it with somebody. But this is powerful stuff. We have a God who loves us beyond what we can comprehend. He'll throw our sins into the sea and he will become our defense. We know he's going to do it. We know one day he's going to make all things right because he's a promise-keeping God, 100%. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for the chance to gather today and, and to reflect on who you are and the hope that's available in you. God, I pray today for the person who is just feeling overwhelmed by the ways that they've blown it. God, I pray for the person who doesn't see the way out of the shame, and I pray that you would help them to see today that we can walk into hope with you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending your son to pay the penalty that was meant to be ours. God, I pray that as we end this series today in the book of Micah, that we would have a renewed sense of what you're up to. I pray that we would hold on to the new practice of remembering what you've done so that you'd fill us with your hope again today. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.